friends, Sunday club. Happy Sunday, made it to the end of the week, congratulations. Now, my little tease last week about my newsletter really seems to have done the trick because this week I have passed the milestone of 1,000 listeners. Can you actually bloody believe that? 1,000 pairs of ears. That is 2,000 eardrums listening to this. <laughs> Whatever one would describe this as, this has been heard by 2,000 ears. I mean, that is utterly joyful, am I right? <laughs> Christ on a bike. And to celebrate this milestone, I am announcing that we are at the penultimate episode of this series. They will be one final episode of the series next week. And then, friends, there shall be a lull in proceedings, which, judging by the 1,000 scenario, has been a rip-roaring success. I'm absolutely thrilled. Let's get into it. Sunday everyone. Big news on the pandemic front this week. All those dates for the diary. And one of the nicest things is that friends who have been separated will be back in the pub, we're going to be back in the gym, we're going to be back in the sport team, wherever it is that you see your friends. But we shall be reunited. And I was thinking about friendships and how crucial they have been to some people during this time. But also, and interestingly, it was something that Dan said last week, that friendships can be so pivotal at certain times in your life, but also that some are forever, some are super intense just at one particular point, because either you or the other person in the friendship really needed someone at that point. One helps the other, and then you go your separate ways. And coming to terms, like Dan said, with the fact that people might not be around forever, it's okay. You, putting it bluntly, fill the purpose, you know? And it doesn't mean that that moment or that friend means any less to you when you think back to them. You will no doubt think fondly of them. It shouldn't also lessen the importance of that person in your life at that time or vice versa. So friendship is such a precious thing and one that I personally feel so grateful to have, not just the friends now, but for the moments in my life where people have been my friend and have really lived through a time in my life when I really needed them. So now with these new announcements, friendship groups will be able to reunite, which is just wonderful. One brilliant thing about a friendship group is that very often you'll have a song that when it comes on, you'll seek out the group members in the party or if you're just with one of them, you'll like FaceTime the rest of the group. Nine times out of ten, it's a pitch black screen or moving so fast you're going to have an epileptic fit. You can't hear the song anyway from all the screaming. It's a pointless phone call, but the song is the glue for the group. And my friendship group songs range from Gloria, Laura Branigan, History, One Direction, Don't Judge, Shotgun, George Ezra. Most recently, I'm yours, Jason Mraz, That's for the Neighbours. 
And another is You Got the Love, Florence and the Machine, which is peak 2012, bit basic, Sex and the City movie. However, the song absolutely sums up that time in life where we're in our 20s, living in Paris with my two friends. And I'm just going to be honest, that basic Sex and the City life of living in a city and meeting boys and going out dressed up thinking that you were it. (laughs) I mean, that was us. And it was just so bloody fun. And you're at that age when, yes, you're an adult, but like I'd said in a previous episode, the same way that people go to uni, yes, you're an adult, but your entire life is ahead of you. Who knows what's around the corner? Look at this French boy. Let's have another cocktail. Let's have another dance. Look at this other French boy. Let's go out for dinner. Oh, this boy's English. Let's chat to him. (laughs) And so You Got the Love became this anthem for us girls. And if we would be stumbling home from a night out, would sing it in the street like the very Parisian chic ladies that we were. (laughs) The song just completely embodied the three of us, like hanging off each other, arms over the shoulders, (laughs) staggering into McDonald's for chicken nuggets at five in the morning because they go hard at the late night McDonald's in Paris, being like, oh my God, remember when this happened tonight? Remember that guy thinking everything is so funny? And then playing You Got the Love and just thinking, oh God, this is living, you know? Fast forward a few years, us girls have gone our separate ways One friend is still in Paris, the other two of us are in London, and I'm working at the BBC. And it was one of the years I was working at Glastonbury. One of the headliners that year was none other than Florence and the Machine. And so often my role at Glastonbury, when the headliners are on, is actually when there's a wee break because they'll play the headliners out in full. So there's there's a bit of a lull. So I'm walking along the road that runs behind the pyramid stage, and the days at Glastonbury, although they are mind-blowingly wonderful they are long days we tend to start you know between eight and ten and then often we'll finish at sort of two three in the morning because that electric energy is everywhere at Glastonbury when you get to the end of these days you are exhausted we've often walked the length and breadth of the festival which is like the size of a city and so I was walking on my own must have been nearer midnight so I know that Florence is going to be finishing up soon I reached the back of the pyramid stage and start to tune into the music to what song Florence is on and sure enough floating into my ears is you've got the love and I just breathe it was one of those moments where when you hear a song that means so much to you you've never seen or heard it live and then it's blaring out across a massive field and it is so loud you're like it proper takes your breath away and so I just ran up the stairs onto the kind of viewing gallery and caught the last maybe minute minute and a half of You Got the Love looking down onto Florence singing it and then looking out onto the crowd of thousands upon thousands of people just thinking of my two friends thinking of those mad, daft, incredible times that we had roaming around Paris thinking we were it and just being like, this is one of the most wild things with a song that means so much, thinking about people that mean so much. And no, I didn't decide that that would be a great time to FaceTime them (laughs) from the platform. And it's a moment I'll never forget. Today on Sunday Club, 
for the first time, I have got two guests. You just heard about them. They are to put name to these girls. They are Lauren Bennett and Nicola Cook, aka Cookie, aka Hot Nick, as she was known as in school. Having girlfriends, what a gift that is. As I said, we met in Paris when a mutual friend put Cookie and Lauren in touch when she was moving out there to start a job as a fashion designer for French brand Petite Bateau. As Disney, where Lauren and I worked together, is that little bit out of the city centre, Cookie's various central apartments became the pit stop for nights out. What stemmed from those was a friendship that has lasted more than a decade. Together we have seen each other through some real highs, some even realer lows, loves, losses, boyfriends, breakups, complete career successes and some proper core shaken struggles, not to mention moves to the other side of the world and back again. Cookie has gone from designing in Paris for Petit Bateau and Lacoste to Sydney, Australia, designing for Sheridan, their equivalent to the white company, to now back in Paris. And she has set up her own brand and is going from strength to strength with over 6,000 Insta followers and customers as far flung as Australia and Brazil. Meanwhile, Lauren, who left Paris to be an intern here in London, is now the head of the department she once interned in. She leads events in some of the most iconic London landmarks and, pre-2020, one of Europe's largest events in Cannes in the south of France. Most recently, and excitingly, she got engaged, marking another milestone in any group of girlfriends. We have been around the world together, and the second we're allowed, we'll be straight on that year to start, Paris-bound, to get our friendship fix. That and those pink praline brioche things we used to get. Oh my God, so good. Cookie and Laws, welcome to Sunday Club. Hi. Bonjour. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Thanks for being on, team. Thanks for having us. My gang. So I realised that when I was writing this, that we only spent two years together in the same place and the rest of the time has been spent spread across the world from Laws being in London, I spent a year in Scotland, Cookie was in Paris, and then Australia. Cooks, talk us through from being in Paris to the thought process then behind going to Australia. So I lived in Oz when I was a kid. Like my parents moved over there when it was the Pommy Bonds in the 80s. They decided to come back to the UK and back to Bradford. And growing up, like I think, you know, I heard my dad a lot talk about Oz and that was one of his big regrets. And I guess for me, I was always curious about where is this sunshiny place like on the other side of the world where there's sun and sea. And so I've always had this like curiosity about going to Oz. When I was in Paris, you know, before I hit 30, I was just like, right, time is now. I just got to go for it. So I quit my job, went there with nothing to go to, not knowing anyone and yeah, just did it. And what was it like making new pals over there? so easy in terms of comparing it to Paris like Paris was super hard when I first arrived I didn't speak any French you know that was a real struggle I remember like whenever I would meet somebody in Paris that spoke English I'd be like hey be my friend 
But yeah, so like moving to Oz was like, whoa, hi everyone. I can speak, I can communicate. It was really cool. That is classic you though, Cookie, because I feel like you're just a natural networker. I've always felt this about you, even when you were in Paris and you say you found it difficult. You would come and meet us and have been to a party the night before and be like, oh, I met a guy that works for Louis Vuitton last night and he wants to work together. It always baffled me how much you were able to network at parties, even when it wasn't your first language. I think that's just classic you. So the fact that you moved to Sydney and you didn't have any trouble making friends just does not surprise me at all. Yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to me being the only child. I remember like going on holidays as a kid and my parents would put me in these like clothes and you know I had to make friends and I'd go up to kids and be like hey <laughs> you know from a very young age because like I had no no siblings to play with so I don't, maybe it comes from that like I can just chat to anyone and make a bit of a twat myself but whatever. <laughs> It's what you did to us in Paris. I did. (laughs) Then Loz and I were over here when you went to Australia and we started a long distance friendship. Do you think there's like a method to maintaining a long distance friendship? Because it was something that Dan said last week. He said that I accepted that friends kind of come and go and I've learned to like make peace with the fact that you can be friends with someone for a bit and then they'll go off and do their own thing and we'll go our separate ways. And he's kind of made peace with that. But with us, Cookie tried to get away from us, but we were like, hell to the no, we're staying friends. So do you reckon, yeah, that there's like a method to that? I think, Especially from Sydney to London, Cookie, you you and Pablo have always maintained that Sydney is like living on Mars when it comes to family and friends back in the UK because the time difference is just so that you'll never find yourself in the same mood as anyone else. Cookie's mornings were our evenings. And for me, when I think back to calls with Cookie when she was in Sydney, I cannot get the sound of that bloody crosswalk out of my head. Oh my God, Hills, are you the same? Exactly the same. It's all I can hear. And it was her walking to the gym before work. We had finished work, you know, and and it's like, she's tired, but she is tired in an energized way because she's just slept. We're tired because we've just finished work. Yeah, I think maintaining a friendship under those circumstances is really hard. But we managed to do it. The other thing as well is that we were so invested and so rooting for you in your move to Australia, Cooks. Like we had all sat around in Paris talking about Australia being the one thing that you want to do. And you were like, shall I do it? Shall I not? Shall I? For so long. And you were like, it's it's literally the, my other life goal is to move to Australia. So by the time that you actually up to went and we'd spoken about it so much, like I say, we were so invested. So I think that definitely helped in, in the long distance friendship is that there was no way we were going to be like, oh yeah, we've got her to this point. She's on the aeroplane. All right, see ya. Never to be heard of again. Yeah, it was such a proud moment when you said you were going. We were just like, oh my God, she's doing it. But I think as well, like we had and have a really good connection and, you know, we weren't going to let that distance come between us. Yeah, I totally agree. The three of us, like I say, have coached each other through a hell of a lot of shit. Looking back, when do you feel, Cooks, first, you have leaned on our friendship most? Uh, definitely these past couple of years. The move back from Oz, I think, is probably 
one of the most hardest times for me. I mean, you guys have seen what I've been through and I felt in my gut that I wanted to move back for sure. Like I really missed home. I miss my parents. I miss you guys. It just felt totally right to come back. In my mind, I was like, okay, you know, it's going to be like settle back into Paris really easy, find a job, you know, settle back in. And it just didn't work out that way. Finding a job proved to be really difficult. I had lots of companies like offer me jobs and then at the last minute they would fall through. And, you know, on the, on the hunt, on the job hunt, it's really hard. It's really soul destroying. The fashion industry is full on. Like when I was at my lowest moments, you guys were there for me. Like I could call you up, have a chat, put things into perspective, hype me up and just listen and just be there and reassure and I think that just made going through all that that much easier but I tell you what Cookie like you saying that you were going through that rough time I don't think I know someone who is quite as resilient as you in that sense the amount of shit that you took over a long period of time it wasn't like oh I didn't get a couple of jobs or whatever like it was over such a long period of time your resilience was just insane like nothing you've ever seen yeah I mean after every disappointment where I thought yeah this is the dream this is the dream job I'm like this is it this is happening for them to fall through when that did and you know I was like, it's just not meant to be. There's something bigger and better out there for me. I know it. Like, and I always believed that. And I and I would say that to myself. And I do a lot of work on myself. Like, I really, like I said, I really believe in timings. And and now where I'm at, I'm like, I'm like literally living my dream. Like, I am super content to work on my own brand. Like, it's amazing. And I have to give heaps of credit to Pablo as well because he's just like been a total rock for me and for us during that time. I hope you're going to bring up the fact that Pablo's not his real name. <laughs> oh, yeah. We do need to put Pabs into some sort of context. So Pabs is Cookie's boyfriend, but Pabs is not his actual name. Explain. Oh, my goodness. Am I actually getting into this right now? Okay. I met him outside the club in Paris. Lots of chats had at 6am, exchange numbers. No, he got my number. And then, you know, roll on Monday, get this wee text. Who's this guy? I could not, for the life of me, remember his name. He had long hair at the time. And I just thought to myself, he looks like a Pablo. I'm just going to call him Pablo. So I saved him my phone as Pablo. And now, like, my entire family and friends call him Pabs. <laughs> <laughs> so... Loz, the first of the three of us to become a fiancé. Oh, my God. Do you want to see the ring again? (laughs) As a group, we've seen each other through our shade of past loves and flight of fancies. (laughs) But this is a big moment for us as a group of girlfriends because I certainly feel that when you're lucky enough to have friends like that, for me, I know that when... I'm stood at that altar, I'll be crying, like, yes, with a bit of joy looking at him, but then I'll look around at you guys and then be in absolute bits because it, it's you that's got me here. Like, it's you that's that's lived this journey with me. Like, yeah, I'm with this fella now at the end, but I would not have got here without you. 
how is it now being engaged? Oh gosh. Oh Lord. It's great. It feels great. And the two of us together were just so giddy. We just keep laughing about what's what's to be and that he's going to be a husband and I'm going to be a wife. <laughs> and how he managed to pull off a proposal during a pandemic, I will never know. The two weeks before he did it were actually really trying for me because he was like hiding his phone and you know, if I walked near him and he was on his phone, he would quickly like scrabble to turn it off and put it away. And, you know, I'm obviously never going to assume the best when that happens. And so, I mean, we're together all the time on lockdown. So I don't know how one could pull off something so elaborate and so romantic, but he did it. Tell us what he did. Go on. Um, so we have a, a private church garden out the back of our apartment and we have recently made friends with the caretaker and his wife. Randomly, he started going out walking with the caretaker on Friday mornings. And I was like, oh, it's a lockdown thing. You know, everyone's making friends and that's wonderful. And it just so happened that once they had started walking, he suddenly got this idea that he could maybe hire out the church garden. And it's really nice. It, it's like an amphitheater inside. So there's like round seating all onto like a drop down stage, I guess. So he arranged to meet a friend one Saturday afternoon. And so I arranged to meet Hillary and Ruth and go for a walk. Hillary and Ruth dropped me back at the flat. And when I walked into the flat, there was a note on the coat closet that said, go and get ready, wear something really fancy. And when you're ready, call this number. And it was just a random mobile number. So I took ages to get ready, which apparently wasn't in the plan and I had no idea. But by the time I'd seen the note, I kind of had an idea of what was going on. So I, all these thoughts were going through my mind like, okay, life might change a little bit tonight. I wonder what's going to happen. Anyway, I called the number when I got ready. This unknown voice answered and was like, are you ready? <laughs> I was like, Yes. Okay, I'm coming for you in one minute. This is like Ian the caretaker's big moment. There's a knock at the door, Ian the caretaker's there. And I was like, oh, this is so weird. <clears throat> when we got to the churchyard, I popped my head through the gates and I, all I could see was Abhishek standing in the middle and there were candles everywhere and rose petals. As I walked in, he was playing a Frank Ocean song on a speaker. And then we held hands and we both blacked out. No one has a clue what we said. I think we were both just far too nervous. He got on one knee. I said, yes. And then I heard all this cheering. And there were a few people had come out of their flats and they were hanging over the balconies, watching what was going on. And then all of a sudden, Hillary came out from the bushes. Ruth popped her head up. And then one of his best friends came out from a doorway. And so we all met in the middle of the courtyard and had a glass of champagne. He'd thought of everything, even on the note, when he told me to go and get ready, he said, when you're in the bedroom, say, hey, Google, I'm getting ready. And he'd made a playlist to get me hyped while I got ready. Oh, no, stop it. <laughs> Seriously. But then Hillary and Ruth and the gang that were all involved were watching the playlist. And I was taking so long to get ready that he was like, she's listening to WAP. She's not coming out. Like, the songs have been on too long. <laughs> <laughs> doing the whack dance on your own doing the routine no it's really funny I said to him even in a moment like that I kind of wished he was there to share it with and the thought that he was just on the other side of the fence yeah he kept going up to the fence and like trying to like look in the window and see if he could see you he was like probably on his toes like we kid 
It was incredible. I just, I had no idea. We talked about a future together and so I thought maybe it would happen this year at some point, but I just didn't expect him to want to pull it off during a pandemic because it's such a weird time. And so to create such a special moment during this time, I'll just, I'll never get over it. I'm just so thankful. (laughs) Hilary was so excited. I know, I knew when we took you out that afternoon to go to the bakery, Emily threw up a cinnamon bun on the way back because I was so nervous. And then we FaceTimed Cookie after. Oh, yeah. It was so... Do you know the, one of the funnest parts about that night? We FaceTimed so many of our friends. And given that we have had this opportunity to get so close to each other, we've got all these friends out there that the other person hasn't met yet. So, Cookie, you haven't had the opportunity to meet him yet. And that's really weird for both of us because he feels totally invested in you and you haven't met him, and he's got all these friends. So we literally did the rounds. We called so many people, and people's reactions were just amazing, but Cookie Yours was one of the best. Oh, yeah. So good. Oh, my God. I mean, I think after, days after, I was, like, so bored. I was like, oh, my gosh, she's engaged. I love how you did that classic thing as well, where you were like... I told Pablo that you were going to marry this one. And Pablo said, yeah, you did. You did tell me. (laughs) I was like, this guy is the one. I know it. I feel it. And he's like, yeah, you did. You said that. Mm. I can't meet him. I know. It's going to be a long time coming. What if the first time a lot of us meet is at our wedding? I just can't can't get over that. No, what? When are you getting married this year? It might be say what I mean I don't know as soon as possible (laughs) the future then my gals my team the future is looking bright for us I'm telling you now I'm declaring it it's looking bright for us cooks first tell us about atelier cookie atelier cookie actually just started out as a project during confinement last year the first confinement in France I decided to create abstract paintings of my neighborhood because we were only allowed a kilometer from our home. You know, I love like creating and I love drawing. I love painting. So I started that and, you know, started my Insta and like I I started to get messages of people saying, hey, are you going to sell this print? And I was like, what? Okay. Yeah. I didn't really consider it as a business, but I, I decided to like research into it you know I looked to a lot of other artists that I admire and I was like a light bulb kind of went off was like okay this could be something so after lots of research I launched Atelier Cookie last October as an Etsy where I sell my artworks it's very colorful and bright and there's a lot of love in there there's a lot of prints about love that comes from a a personal place of struggle of of actually not loving myself for a very very long time you girls know this you know this about me like throughout my life since I was a kid like not you know felt good or comfortable in my body so and now that's a journey that I'm on is trying to love and accept and appreciate me and my body for who I am so a lot of my artwork I like to focus and be inspired by that and hopefully give out a positive message to other people you know yeah like I hope for me like the future like I, I hope this will continue to to keep growing and be my job for the rest of my life I've got a few ideas up my sleeve so we'll see 
from something that was a total passion project to then it now becoming, like I said, 6,000 plus followers, sales all over the world. Yeah, it might have taken a bit of soul searching and it continues to take a bit of soul searching. And you saying that you didn't love yourself, but that has not hindered you from making Atelier Cookie a success. Cooks, you've got to give yourself that credit that that has come entirely from you and believing and backing yourself. Thanks, honey. Yeah. It's the truth. And we're proud of you. So proud. Oh, thanks, Guy. And Loz, tell us about the last year for you and the new life that's ahead. Oh, my God. Um, well, it's very unexpected. I'll give you that. I feel really fortunate that the last year, and obviously I don't want the pandemic to be around and I want us all to be able to live our lives but I think the pandemic brought a more simple life quiet times I think that actually allowed something to blossom for us life in London's really fast and by all accounts I'd known Arby Shake for what eight dates before we went on lockdown and decided to move in together it sounds like his life was very similar and he travelled a lot for work. We say this all the time. We're not even sure that we would have had the time for things to grow had we been under normal circumstances. And so a silver lining for me of all this is that we were so fortunate to just have a bit of quiet time to just figure out what this is and where we wanted to go. And, and in terms of the future, I mean, I'm just living each day as, I, as it is right now. I think January and February everyone's just been surviving haven't they and I feel really fortunate to have had this really happy time although I did have COVID in January which was a not very nice but my hopes for 2021 is that we can plan a wedding of some sort Um, we're actually buying a house right now and that I can just get back to work and see all my friends and see you guys and I just want to get back to Paris man I should say you guys knew each other for eight dates, not eight days. <laughs> no, we went on eight dates and then the world went on lockdown and we were forced with the decision as to whether we try and stay apart or actually live together. Well, not live together. I packed a bag for a week and then just never left. So, <laughs> so romantic. I knew. All right, team. Well, penultimate question then. What has it meant to you to have had our friendship? I mean, it's meant so much. You guys are my shoulders to cry on, you know, being there to to lean on and to pick me up when I was down, like for the highs and the lows, like for everything, you know, to do life with you guys. It's uh, fucking great. (laughs) You lost. Even in some of my worst times, Hillary, obviously, Cookie, you were in Australia at the time, but Hillary, even just bringing food around to feed me, that is like the most basic of life's needs and being able to lean on someone when you can't do that for yourself and knowing that they're there, that is like a sisterhood. But then I think it's just how much fun we have together and just the memories that we've got. I just, I feel so lucky. Same. What about you, Hillary? Can I throw that question at you? Um, oh, God, I'm going to cry my own podcast. Oh. <laughs> Come on, pull it together. <laughs> um, well, the unwavering support is, oh, my God, I am actually crying. Yeah, I think 
unwavering or unconditional support is something that that I can almost express how much it means and I've said this before like I don't ever expect it so when it does come it's like uh, yeah it's just something else it's something that it's hard to explain and I think it takes a real bad experience or in my case anyway a real hard experience for that to become apparent because actually I tell you what expressing how much somebody can mean to you or expressing support when someone is going through a really rough time is actually really difficult because you're like oh I don't want to upset that person or oh I don't want to like bring up the shit thing that's happening to this person so maybe I just won't say anything but actually it's in those tough times when the texts come or the calls come or whatever that it's just like oh my god thank you I really needed this the rock steady friendship is yeah is something that just I'll never be able to properly like express how much that means it's just that unconditional love support non-judgmental and just always there yep neither of us asked you Hillary what's next for you Wait a minute. Well, what's next for me is trying to find a tissue so I don't snot all over myself. <laughs> in your own time. The future for me, well... Please put that in. What, my nose blowing? Yeah. Uh, the future for me, well, I feel that before going in lockdown, I needed a change. I needed something to change. I felt a wee bit kind of stagnant sounds way too dramatic but I just felt a wee bit I was on like this treadmill of work because when you're working the freelance world you know you're always you're always just chasing that next job and it just feels you know like five years can pass you by and and nothing has wholly changed so actually lockdown and and meeting a whole new group of friends and the neighbors and just being off that treadmill was kind of the change I was after and so it feels like that when life then starts opening up again I feel way more open to another change I don't quite know what how what that's going to be yet but I think starting the podcast was a really good thing I've applied for a permanent job when I haven't done that before so yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna keep trying to make changes for myself and see what happens okay so my last question today is Sunday tomorrow is Monday so laws first what is your dream Monday looking like please I'm gonna wake up early I'm gonna have some nice coffee eat a croissant go for a walk it's sunny out I'm just gonna have a me day okay aim low I love that Oh, can I do anything? Yes, what are you talking about? Of course you can do anything. Oh, come back to me. Okay, cooks. Okay, so so I'll wake up, meditate, and then I'll go for a swim in the sea because my house is on the beach. After my swim, I will get a coffee because there's like uh, the best cafe like conveniently located next to my house. And then have brekkie, which will be an avocado, salmon, egg situation. Get ready and then I'll be ready to start my day in my home studio, which has a view of the ocean, just FYI. Chef's kiss. Love it. Bennett, back to you. Oh my God. Cookie went in. 
Can we just meet in Paris, the three of us? Should we do that? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, cool. I'll see you at Café Oberkamp. We can have a tartine and then we'll get out on foot and explore. I want that pink praline brioche. Oh, yeah. You sell out so quick. What was the place that Hills was obsessed with? Chez... Chez... Mate, Chez Prune? Chez Prune. I was obsessed with it. Cookie and Laws, my decade-plus-long friends, thank you very much for coming on Sunday Club. You've been a joy. You've been joyeuse. Next Sunday Club will be the last in this series before taking a slight intermission while I go back to work for a few weeks. And then I'll be back. Lauren and Cookie, would you like to have any final words? Oh, thanks for having us. I love Sundays. Thank you. Bisou. Peace. <laughs> Bye. And scene.